Welcome to the Social Advice Podcast with your host, Rock Mitchell. Enjoy intriguing conversations and dialogue surrounding faith, fashion, technology, current events, culture, self-help, and motivation. And remember this one thing. Don't take that long to get right, shorty. Welcome to the show. This is J.E. Green, the love advocate and the author of I Am Love, and you're listening to Rock Mitchell on the Social Advice Podcast, where it don't take that long to get right, shorty. Family, it's your guy, Rock Mitchell, and we're back for another episode of Social Advice, where it doesn't take that long to get right, shorty. Let me say it right. It don't take that long to get right, shorty. I'm loving that. Like, people have asked me to actually send the audio of that to them, and I've been, I've been doing, I've been doing it. Sounds a little vain, but I appreciate the traction. Um, we did put up a post on Wednesday with Coach Tarrant that got some amazing traction. I appreciate the the close to 300 views in that one day that we got on that particular blog about how to. Uh, get skinny or get healthy again, which is crazy considering that was only our second uh, podcast. So I appreciate you guys riding with us. And today I even had, I'm super excited about who we have. Um, It's amazing that um, I've known this guy for some time. I consider him a brother. I consider him a close friend of mine. Now I can also consider him an author, which is crazy because over the, the, the years that I've known him, he's been talking the same talk, walking the same walk, and, and it's been a derivative or it's been uh, uh, all out of one place, and that, that one place is one word. It's love, and today we have the, the love master himself. J.E. Green has joined us on the love. Uh, see, you got me talking about love. Has joined us on the Social Advice Podcast and um, we're going to be talking about his brand new book. Uh, it's called I Am Love. Every Piece is a Contribution by J.E. Grave. And not only that, we're going to be talking about some major moves he's personally made in his own life to make sure that his dreams of running his own organization um, and, 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 and conquering the world through love is going to come to pass. So if you would help me take time and let's make a big Hoopla for J.E. Green, who's joined us. Come on, make some noise. Woo. Okay, with that being said, we're going to jump right in, and I'm going to let you introduce yourself, what you want to say about you, and then we'll jump right into all of the loads of questions that I have about the book, the questions I have about love, the questions I have about you, your personal journey, and the hard decisions that you had to make to get to where you are now. Jump right in, J.E. Green. Sure. So, as Ryan said, my name is J.E. Green, or some affectionately know me as James. Uh, but my journey started at the age of 12. Um, I was asked by a mentor to travel with him to do some advocacy for young people. Um, the organization was working with some young people and they needed some advice on how to better approach them. And um, it started from there and I just kind of grew this love for human development and eventually started traveling the country, um, working with at-risk youth, working with incarcerated youth, working with organizations that served uh, in a human service capacity and uh, it just kind of grew from there and ultimately um, as I talk about the story in the introduction of the book 
there was this one young man that I met in Louisiana, and he changed my life. And um, I write about this experience in the book, I Am Love. Every piece is a contribution because every experience in our life is a contribution to our love story. So we can start there, man. Nice. So if you've read my book, 30 Days of Affirmation, the little pamphlet I wrote, you'll notice that in the back of the book, there's a dedication to a guy, J.E. Gray. And he is that guy. We, J.E. and I and my wife, uh, we spent a lot of time together um, a few years back, and he was one of those individuals where, you know, some folks are assigned to your life for a season, and he was assigned to really be a close blessing to my wife and I. And when I think about our interaction, everything that was done was done out of love. And I say that to set up my first question. My first question is when I look at this book, um, I see that I is lowercase and then it says am love and love is uppercase. And for me, when I think about that and I'll get the author's take on it. But when I look at that, I see that the I in it is selfless. The I in it is not about me. It's not about how big or me getting anything out of it, but it's me actually merging myself with the concept of love and um, and living that out. But and, and I saw that in your actions toward my wife and I. So so talk to us about that. The 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 the, the cop the uh, name of the book or the way it's shown on the book is lowercase I am uppercase love. So there's a couple facets to just the design and the, the concept behind the book. Um, the I am love just in general. Uh, Joe Olstein has a quote wherein he says, uh, whatever you say after I am comes to meet you. Um, uh, so that's part one of it. Part two of it is um, I come from a family, I'm a Christian family. My mom and dad are both ministers. Um, and of course, you know this, but in the Bible, it says that I am, uh, that I am. Uh, so a part of that is knowing that the I am is God. And it also says in the Bible that God is love. Um, so when I kind of got my frame of reference for love, God just kept showing up over and over and over again. So the I am um, is not necessarily me in totality. The I am is me, the lowercase I, um, representing my relationship with God and who he is. I am becoming or seeking to be um, who it is that he's been to me, which is love, and who it is that he's been in the lives of those um, that I've known and had the opportunity to experience in relationship. So... In, in, in all of that, you know, knowing that God is love and having this perspective that in the midst of everything that you've gone through, God is the source in terms of love. Let's talk about your personal relationships just a little bit. I don't want to dive too deep. Well, that's what the book but, is about. So. <laughs> let's talk about your personal relationships. And, um, of course, I, I have a little bit of an inside track, but Absolutely. I want to keep it high level because I don't want you to get any phone calls after this airs. But... Talk to us about how your relationships were able to shape your perspective or your understanding of what love is, what love can be, and what love did to you to get you in this space. So let me let me let me be forward in this moment and, and, and explain that relationships aren't just uh, intimate. You know, they aren't just romantic relationships. Okay. But the premise of relationship that I'm talking about in the book. When I say relationship instead of relationships as a concept, um, is the interaction that we have one human being to another. So in the book, I talk about different relationships, but the beginning of the book is about one specific relationship of which you know very well, um, which is the relationship that I had with my son's mother. Um, and it was a very eye-opening relationship because we had come from two different um, upbringings, to say the least. And... Um, 
those upbringings, they began to establish the foundation of who we would be as human beings. And initially going into that relationship, it wasn't something that I understood. So at the end of that relationship, one of the things that I committed to after spending five years of my life uh, with someone and then and, and knowing that um, as we joked that it was 18 to life from there with my son, uh, I wanted to figure out what love truly was. Because if the love uh, that I had experienced for the last five years was it, um, there had to be more to it than that. Not to, you know, downplay my relationship with her. Um, she's amazing, but it was to say that I wanted something more. I wanted to be able to give something more um, and not just be able to receive something more, but so, give something more. So would you say that um, love develops? It's, it's ever-growing? Absolutely. Not only is it ever-growing, it's evolutionary. I okay. mean, one of the things that I talk about in the book is that the presence or the absence of love, which is the, the biggest theme in the book, is the force that is uh, driving our lives. So just to give like a quick example, um, going back to the two different um, upbringings, if you grow up in a home where your parents are present and they, they talk to you about love, they talk to you about relationships, you're more inclined um, to be stimulated by that particular type of love. But if you grow up in a household where that particular you know, aspect of love is different, where, I don't know, maybe it's a little more of a tough love aspect, then you're more easily stimulated by that type of love. But what the book really gets to uh, the crux of is analyzing our own experiences with love, but even more being able to be in a relationship where the individuals with which we're engaged aren't you know, afraid of or aren't opposed to analyzing their own um, you know, foundation of love. So that way we begin to have more understanding. So, you know, as long as I've known you, you've always been the kind of guy that was, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? You, you did a lot of self-reflection and it allowed you to not only see yourself clearly, but see other people clearly. And I think sometimes when you're in love, it either goes completely terrible where you don't see the bad in others you, or you see nothing but the bad in others. Or you don't see yourself through a correct lens. Would you say that love, in the sense that you're referring to in the book, in the many senses you're referring to it in the book, does it help you to, and this is a big one for us macho men, help us humble ourselves as, in regards to relationship? Absolutely. Um, and, and just going back to you know my foundation for love, in, in the back of the book, I leave um, something that's very special to me, um, which is 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And it okay. talks about... Um, love is patient, love is kind, love is not boastful, it's not proud. And for me, when I, you know, begin to research, because I did, I did two and a half years of research for relationships. I remember. Just aspects of love and what that looked like. And I just kept finding my way back to First Corinthians, because not just from a faith perspective, but from a life perspective, if we could be patient, if we could be kind, if we could be not boastful, if we could be, pr if we could be not proud, and we could be forgiving and not keeping account. These are the basic tenets of somebody who's developing into an amazing human being. And so if we want to be able to have an amazing love experience, because love just, again, isn't this frou-frou, uh, Walt Disney, pie-in-the-sky aspect. It's very practical. I do like that form of love, though. I, <laughs> I love that I'm form. I'm not saying that it isn't good, <laughs> but I'm saying in order to really sustain something like that, right, there has to be some sort of practical principles or set of principles in place in order to sustain it because it's cool when we meet somebody right we don't know all of their flaws we don't know all of the things that we hate or when we start a job we don't know all the things we're going to hate about it it isn't until we're there for some time 
and we realize, hey, man, we have to develop something that sustains us for the long haul that we begin to understand, like, I got to apply some principles to this. So once we apply some principles, then we can start getting to the crux of what love is. So, yes, ultimately, um, once we establish our principles, love can be that, you know, guide for us to humble ourselves or uh, that, that guide to know what's for us, what isn't for us um, and how we should and how we shouldn't treat others. So, so based on what you said there, Second um, Corinthians six fourteen talks about being unequally yoked yeah. with unbelievers, right? Yeah. Um, if in fact you are, let's let's just specifically hone in on a a, a, a romantic relationship. Okay. Being unequally yoked, and let's say you love this person, okay. right? Like you know, you grew up with them, and you know you love them. But you are not a good match for each other. Like it's unhealthy. Yeah. Um, where does love come in? I want right then and there. I felt like calling you Doctor J. Like, like <laughs> Doctor J. <laughs> like, like I want, I want, I want, I want to, I want to know from you where, where, where does, where's the line get drawn? Where's the Where do we make the decision to say I love you enough? Or I love you too much to let you go, or I love you enough to let you go. So I'll um, I'll share something with you that I shared with uh, one of somebody who was very special to me, um, somebody who I once had a relationship with, but I no longer do. Um, they had trust issues, and so they used to always talk to me about you know what do you, what do you do with you know all of the stuff that you have, and um, I would say you know I don't trust you. Right, I, I don't trust you because you're human. You're fallible. Anything. Uh, the, the That's kind of harsh, Doctor J. That's harsh. <laughs> but it's honest, man. I think that when we when we build people up, right, and we, we that's place the that's the that's the train right outside of Doctor J's <laughs> yeah, <laughs> condo like that we're here. But it, it, it's it's so nice here though. Yeah. But so so we'll deal with the train. But when you <laughs> when you build people up, right, and you and you set an expectation because before we ever get to the place of us not working, right, we have to talk about what expectation we've set. Right. So we set this expectation for this person to be everything that we've ever imagined, everything that we've ever dreamed. And from the inception of the relationship, all we've done is cast our vision of them on them. And if we've not really taken the opportunity to learn who they are, oftentimes we find ourselves in that place where we now later on realize that we don't work when in the inception of the relationship, we could have figured this out. And so this is one of the things that I tell. Whoa, 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 whoa. Let's pause. Go ahead, go ahead. Are, are you saying that? In fact, when we get in relationships, we have to be careful not to see our partner through the lens of who we want them to be. Oh, absolutely. But who they really are. Then that'll determine how far this relationship goes. Oh, absolutely. Goes. I'll take you one step further. So I had one of my um, one of my really, really good friends and, and somebody who I counsel. They, they were talking to me about um, being in relationships. And, and even more than that, they have an interesting situation. They, they come from a Muslim background um, and they have arranged marriages. So for her, it's really difficult because it's like... You're, you're, you're going to marry this person regardless. Like, it, it's just happening. So you ain't, you, you're not going to know who this person is going down the road. It's just, we're going to do this from the jump. So they were asking me in that situation, what do I do? So I said, you need to stop asking this person why do they love you or why do they like you. You need to ask them how they're going to do it. And this is huge because when we ask how, and I talk about this in the book, rather than why, we get straight to accountability. So often we wind up in relationships where we jumped in with our emotions and we didn't jump in with our mind. And we find ourselves screwed, right? But in the book, I, I talk specifically about, excuse me, how the, the, the mind or the heart doesn't experience anything 
absent of the mind. In fact, the heart is a muscle, right? It, it, its function is to pump blood throughout the body. So the more and more that we start blaming our hearts for stuff, the more and more illogical we become about the experience of love. So the first piece is it happens in the mind. Okay. We don't ask why. We ask how. And in asking how, we can now hold people accountable. And going back to the beginning of what it is that I said, if we begin to figure out who people are in the front end based upon their how, we're not trapped in the why of it. Why it doesn't work later on. We begin to understand that ultimately it wasn't going to work in the beginning, right? So our hows should match, not our whys, because ultimately, uh, if our hows don't match, there's 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 no way that we can ever get to a place of well, why don't you love me anymore? Or why doesn't this work? And not to say that people don't grow. But in understanding how we do things, we start or we begin to understand more readily, um, or easily, when the the hows started to divert from one another. Okay, so we're at the we're a little past the halfway point, and and we've talked about the external love, right? Mm-hmm. When we're dealing with, you know, family, friends, loved ones, romantic relationships, I want to kind of bring it closer to home when we're talking about self-love and making sure that you're looking out for yourself. And I think that's the most important type of love because unless you love yourself, the age old saying is that you can't love anybody else. And I think you made some personal decisions um, in terms of business, in terms of your future, I would say based out of self-love. Can you talk to us about about that? Sure. So, um, I think that oftentimes we believe that um, self-love is this choosing me first. And, man, you're just pulling out everything that's in the book. Um, y'all got to get this book, man, so y'all can read it. So re- pause real quick. <laughs> Where is the book? How can we get our hands on it? Go to jegreen365.com, jegreen365.com. Or you can follow me on social media at jegreen365. And the link is in my bio on all of my social media outlets. Um, it's, called, again, called I Am Love. And you can get it right there at jegreen365.com. J.E. Green 365. Order your book right now. If you're listening to this, support. And, and you know, I really don't want to even say support because you're doing yourself a favor. Invest because nobody, nobody writes about love anymore. And nobody, and it's too many people failing at love. It's too many people not being successful in the space of love. It's too many people in marriages that have no love, in relationships that have no love, in partnerships that have no love. In jobs, and jobs, in churches they don't love. I mean, and stuff, that, and they're not doing what's best for them. And J.E. Green, a.k.a. Dr. J, is going to walk you through it in this book. And are you taking clients as well? Absolutely. He's taking clients as well. So if you need someone to walk you through, he'll walk you through. Um, But let's get back to my question. We're talking about you. Absolutely. So when it comes to self-love, again, I think a lot of people believe that it's this loving me first um, and putting me before all others kind of aspect. But the reality is that um, you can't block people out of your life and evolve in your relationships with those people um, in a way that's logical, right? There are some people who don't belong in your life, but even in that sense, I I speak about it in the book, that there should certainly be some type of closure around it. Some sort of, okay, we understand that this doesn't work. We're going to exit this situation. But what you don't want to leave is unresolved issues. And that's what the book talks about more than anything, is that unresolved issues um, are this kind of rotting 
uh, trash heap, if you will, developing in our lives. And the only way to really um, eradicate the, the, the smell or the aroma of all those things that are messed up in our lives is to completely rid ourselves of them. And ridding ourselves of a person does not always rid ourselves of the impact of that relationship. So when we talk about self-love, it, it becomes more of an analytical thing. I analyzed myself and the way that I showed up in those relationships that could have potentially contributed to those unresolved issues. But I also analyzed what things that that person did that stood out for me as something that would have asked me to or something that caused me to compromise the integrity of who I am. Okay, so I just had a metaphorical uh, revelation as it, ref it, as it uh, pertains to a movie that I saw recently and in this movie um these individuals get dumped onto a planet that's basically where all of the cosmic trash goes in in the universe mm -hmm. everything gets dumped here at this place and the only other thing other than being the trash heap if you get dumped into this planet is you have to fight your way out mm -hmm. right metaphorically speaking if i'm hearing this correctly if you have rotting trash in terms of your relationships, it is not healthy. It's it's like you said, yeah. trash basically. You're gonna find yourself consistently fighting to try to get yourself out of it, to try to make you find value in the other person, find value in yourself. And so those are things that you have to really look at to determine whether or not this stinks, it doesn't feel good, it doesn't taste good, it doesn't, it, it's not working for me. And I'm doing nothing but fighting in this situation. Is this healthy for me? Yeah, and, and, and self-love starts with internal reflection first. Okay. The two and a half years that I spent um, wasn't trying to figure out why the person I was in a relationship with was a horrible person. The two and a half years that I spent was really a self-evaluation of, you know, what did I contribute that I probably shouldn't have? Or what did I contribute from an immature space? Or what did I contribute from a selfish space? So the self-love starts with one being more compassionate to others. And the reason why I say that is because when you begin to be more compassionate to others, you begin to witness what things about yourself are flawed. If all you do is sit around and look at other people and say, oh, well, I'm not as messed up as they are, you know, you never really get the opportunity to evaluate your own stuff. So the first part of self-evaluation is, is compassion to others. Because once I start doing that, I can begin to take it a little bit easier on myself. The second piece of self-evaluation is understanding our inheritance. So I talk about this in the book as well, but understanding what things we were given in our upbringing. What did our parents give us? What did our uncles give us? What did our aunts give us? Were we, were we raped? Were we molested? Does that stuff show up and contribute to our relationships? And if it does, are we really fully present in our relationships, right? So even more than that, if I got fired from a job and you know I had a horrible experience with that job, do I bring all of this horrible uh, stuff to this new job? So before, um, and, and part of what we talked about was this whole entrepreneurship thing. One of the things that I decided before I, I stepped out on the entrepreneurship piece was as a human being, was I ready to start the work of what it was that I wanted to do? Because otherwise I needed to stay behind that desk and you know finish pushing them papers. Right. But I knew that I had put the work in. I knew that I was looking at this from not just a, a, how can I satisfy myself, but what is it that I contribute to others that's of value? So if, if the self-love thing that you're doing is not somehow contributing to the whole of humanity, it's really not self-love. It's just self-gain, 
right? But love is not about just what I gain. It's about what I give. If, again, going back to my background, you know, Jesus Christ is the example of what love is. He came so that he could give his whole life, right? So the thing is, it was never about what he was going to gain in the process. It was always about what he was going to give. And taking that out of the context of anybody who's not a Christian, there is never anything lost, excuse me, in giving. Because at the, at the end of the day, ultimately, if, if you believe in the law of reciprocity, what you give, you'll ultimately get back. It may not come in the same form, but you'll get it back. And one of the things that I know about you and about Coach T is that I've watched you guys selflessly give. And it was one of those principles that I adopted from you guys. It was one of those principles that I adopted from my mom and my dad. And everybody who I've seen be successful in life and business and love, they're givers. And, you know, let's let's... Thank you for that compliment. It, it's, it is um, a goal of ours to be not just givers, but to be significant givers. Give, give when it counts. Give when it matters. And be led by, um, be led by um, God to give at specific points. You know, Because I think a lot of times people give. Um, and they can give out of love, but they also give out of their vain ambition to be... Um, applauded for their gift, their giving. And, and that's never been something that we want to do. But so I know that you were in a corporate space for a long time. Yeah. And um, we talked a few weeks back and, um, and, and I was trying to get something, I think we were trying to schedule something. And I said, you know, you know, what, what is your schedule looking like? And you said, Oh, no, man, I, um, I'm not doing that anymore. Yeah. I'm 100%, you know, love social. Yeah. Um, and like I almost dropped the phone, not because I was surprised, yeah. right? But knowing your level of responsibility that you have, um, you have a son, you know, you have, you know, bills and a place to live, you know, all of those things that come with being an adult and you were betting on you. Talk, talk to us about that process of how you, 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 we have five minutes left. You cool. you bet on you bet on J E Green and it's it's working out. Talk to us. So I mean anybody again right anybody who has succeeded in life at some point has taken that bet on themselves and I can't sit here and tell you you know six months from now I won't have a part time job or whatever it is my hope is that I won't have to right. but um, at some point you just realize that you have something to give and. You are not, you're being restrained by whatever it is that's going on in your life that isn't allowing you to give um, in the fullest way possible. But even more than that, what I, what I say is that I, I didn't just jump out there. I saved a good amount of money. I paid all of my bills up for a good amount of time. Um, I made sure that I looked out for the bills that I had to do with my son, the bills that had to do uh, with the monthly basis, the bills that I had to do on an annual basis. So you prepared for your oh, job. Absolutely. So he didn't, he didn't hear, <laughs> you know, I love Steve Harvey. And um, as you guys know, we're going to be on Steve Harvey's show on the 21st. But um, you didn't just say, okay, Steve Harvey said leap or jump. And you went and quit your job. You actually went. Ain't got a parachute first. <laughs> so if I'm, if, I'm, if I'm completely transparent, right? So I have been preparing for it for some time. Like, it wasn't just like, I, I knew I wasn't supposed to be there. And, and there are so many people who know that they aren't supposed to be in certain places. And it's not even just about the job thing. It's about relationships in general because the job was a relationship to me. 
it was a very toxic relationship. I took a job, or somebody even more than that asked me to take a job, which is all, typically the ultimate betrayal as we see it, right? right? Somebody invites you to something, and they tell you it's going to be like this, man. It's going to be sunshine and unicorns and rainbows. And then you get there, and it's like um, it's like the Goonies. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it was awful, man. Like it, it, was, it was horrible. And ultimately, I had to decide, like, was I going to sit there and be unhappy? Or was I going to take a risk? Because the thing is, I know that I'm employable, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, but I also know that for the last, you know, 15 years of my life, I've been giving, and the impact that, that I've been making as I've been giving has been amazing, and more people need it. So how do I develop the space and the opportunity for me to do that? Like, I have to have the autonomy to decide what my life is going to look like more than anybody else has to. And so that's what really made the choice for me when I decided that I needed to have the say um, and listening to God and what it was that he was telling me to do, like, I had to have to say about what it was that I was doing. So immediately, like, you know, after I left, and it, it was really like a conversation that um, I had been having with my boss over some time. And, you know, she was just like, I really don't think you want to be here. And I was just kind of like going through the motions of, yeah, I kind of want to be here, but I really don't. And they were like, well, if we parted ways, how would you feel? And I was like, well, I wouldn't really feel anything. And they were like, okay, well, you know, if you find something else that you like, that's fine, but if you don't, let's just, you know. And I was like, cool. And they were surprised. They were like, so you're not, you, you, no, I'm good. I'm good. And I knew that I, the day that I left and walked out of the door, I felt free. Like, it was crazy. Like, I, I, I can't even explain it. I felt like everything had just dropped off of me. And that's how I knew I made the right decision. So no matter where I wind up in the next, you know, year, year and a half, which I think is going to be amazing regardless. I just have people keep walking up to me and sowing these seeds of in the next year, in the next year and a half, prophet is so-and-so, doctor so-and-so, bishop so-and-so, people who don't have any religious affiliation. Mm -hmm. Dude, in the next three years, your life is going to look crazy. In the next year and a half, your life is going to... I'm not asking for it. I don't even know half of these people that keep walking up to me. But it's, again, affirmation of the fact that I did what it was that I was supposed to do. And um, I'm just grateful for the people that have been there in the process of me taking the jump. And <clears throat> I don't want to, this is such a great conversation. And I haven't even realized that our 30 minutes has gone, gone. And, and we've just getting into the right. crux of this conversation. So I'm going to label this one a part one. But what I want to do right now is I want to make uh, two of J.E. Green's books i am love available to one of our two of our listeners so if you're listening to this podcast you listen to the end i appreciate that go ahead and dm me um on twitter hit me or i'm sorry at me on twitter it's at rock mitchell and um let me know that you listen to the podcast the first two folks that do that i'll reach out to je green and have a book sent your way not a problem at all. Go ahead and do that for us. I know J.E. will love to sign that and Absolutely. get that over to you. And I'll take care of the, the costs associated with those books. Man, but this has been an amazing podcast. Um, don't forget why you're listening. Go over to J.E. Green uh, 365.com. Buy a book. Make a contribution for this thriving entrepreneur. He has a lot of stuff. We just talked about some other great ventures we're going to yeah, jump man, into together. Way, 
And so I want you to go ahead and do that. Don't forget to follow him on Instagram. We got to get his Instagram numbers up. So while you're listening to this, go on over to Instagram and it's J.E. Green. At J.E. Green 365. At J.E. Green 365. Let's get him up another thousand uh, Instagram followers. That's nothing. Um, and he's also on Twitter, J.E. Green 365. Everything is website, the same. Of course, you know, your boy Rock Mitchell is there at several different places. Mainly everything is Rock Mitchell, um, Twitter, Instagram, all that good stuff. I'm also on this new uh, new kick that you really got to check out, J.E. Grit, and I think you're going to like it. Yeah, you definitely got time. Yeah, you always up it's called you. Anchor, and it's almost like a podcast type of thing, okay. but and it, and it can actually upload to a podcast as well. Cool. So it's an easy way to kind of do a podcast, but at the same time, it has its own ecosystem its own platform so you need to download it tonight and start recording tonight it's gonna be great listen it's your guy rock mitchell and uh stay tuned i appreciate you guys for listening we have some more great podcasts coming up my schedule is so full of recording great folks here in eastern side of uh, states and i'm gonna get out to california soon but um, I have a whole list of great folks that are going to be coming on and talking. So I'll talk to you soon. I love you. I appreciate you. Get your copy of I Am Love today. Talk to you soon. Bye. This is J.E. Green, the love advocate and the author of I Am Love. And you're listening to Rock Mitchell on the Social Advice Podcast, where it don't take that long to get right, shorty.